There we go. And Arthur? Welcome. <laughs> welcome, welcome everyone to the World is My Country Club. Welcome everyone who's trying this out. I see a lot of new faces. This is fantastic. My name is Melanie Bennett. I'm the producer on the World's My Country film, facilitator for the club, though I will be here facilitating. We have Arthur Kanagas as the host, and he will be introducing our special guest today. Also, um, when after, the, after he speaks, so, oh yeah, so everyone, if you would like to mute, mute yourselves, I will put everybody on mute, but you can unmute yourself. All right, so uh, back to my story. So what we'll do is after our special guest speaker, um, we will have a Q&A questions and I will time everybody. It'll be, uh, you can uh, say something for two minutes. And when I ring this bell, just finish your, don't, don't worry, just finish your sentence, finish your thought, and then Arthur will pick the next person. So that's how we'll do it. Um, also, uh, you'll see this little panel. When I wave this, that means we have five minutes left to the meeting and Arthur will close, uh, begin to close the meeting and we have five minutes left. Um, we're now going to do a practice with the raising hands and people who um, have are on video see under participants you can see, um, click on participants and you would see all the participants and then you can go ahead and push. Raise right down hand. at the bottom, you see raise hand. Usually. Right at the bottom, you see raise hand. And we're gonna do a practice raising hands for everyone. Okay, now she's got a question, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so, okay. So what we'll do is practice that. Everyone who has seen the film- Wait, wait there's, two kinds of, there's two kinds of raised hands. That's raised hands for questions over there. There's also a thing down below called reactions and you can give a thumbs up. Mm -hmm. So I think now, Melanie, what you want to practice is uh, that uh, uh, ask the people the question about the film and then give us a thumbs up if you've watched it. Right, so, right, that's what we want to do. Practice raising your hand. So for later afterwards, when we have the Q&A, I see Arthur has raised his hand. You can see it there. Jane's raised her hand. So the question is, well, let's just practice raising your hand. If you can, everyone raise their hand. Well, wait, this, this is thumbs up. And that's a little different than raising your hand to speak. Raise your hand is in participants. Thumbs up is in reactions. Right. Okay. <laughs> so does everyone uh, feel comfortable with raising their hands? I, I didn't find it, Melody. Okay. Um, hmm. If you click on participants, under oh. participants, there's a button that says uh, raise hands down at the oh, bottom. Oh, got it. Oh, yeah. You okay. You Thank go. you. Oh, good. Everyone's getting welcome, in. Welcome, Debbie. Very glad to Charles, hear. Charles, Charles, <laughs> do you have, are you okay? Uh, now, with the phones, raising your hand with the phone, um, you will have to interject your name. So you would just say your name and then the word stack. And then we would know you have a question and Arthur will call on you as soon as he can. And try, everyone just try to speak once if you can. Uh, so everyone, we, looks like we have a number of people on. So everyone gets a chance. So it'll just be for two minutes and then I'll ring the bell. All right, I think I've covered everything. Uh, any interjections, Arthur? I think we've got it. Um, and now I'd like to... Good, good. I'd like to go ahead and uh, hand it over to Arthur Canagas, the director on the film, The World is My Country, our host today. Thank you and take it away, Arthur. Well, welcome to one of the first uh, meetings of our new The World is My Country Club. Uh, we are so pleased to have each of you and we hope to have weekly meetings. You're welcome to join us every Wednesday, 10 a.m. Pacific. And today we have a very special guest, David Gallup. Now, David Gallup worked with Gary Davis for years and years, since, pretty much since his inception, uh, working on creating the World Service Authority, carrying out this vision uh, that uh, we, can have, we can have a government, a citizen-based government for the people. And uh, when Gary created the world, the, the, uh, when he first declared world citizenship, he said, well, we're world citizens <laughs> and we can't travel any other way. We have to have passports and they were making him do that. So he set up the World Service Authority that's been issuing passports for over 60 years. 
and David will be telling you more about uh, their exciting work and how these passports have, and other documents have helped, uh, helped people in very crucial situations and, and the power uh, of this, uh, uh, these documents in a world that is so, uh, uh, that, that, that's built around rules, techni technicalities, and documents. So uh, David uh, is an attorney and uh, super dedicated. He, he pretty much often been a one-man show or had only, it's mostly a staff of volunteers and interns, but he does a fabulous job putting it all together. He's also on the board of Citizens for Global Solutions, sharing office space with them and uh, working, uh, working in many different ways for uh, uh, a better and united world. Uh, so take it away, David. Hi, everybody. I'm so delighted to be here today. Thank you, Arthur and Melanie, for creating this The World is My Country Club. What a great idea to bring people together to talk about issues of how we can make a workable world for everyone and share ideas. And I'm, although my presentation will be maybe 20, 25 minutes, that should give us plenty of time to bounce around ideas, maybe even to brainstorm and to move uh, the thought process of how we can create this workable world forward. And I don't know, I don't think Arthur or Melanie, you actually, I don't remember you asking uh, if we could have a raise by people raising their hands, how many people have actually seen either the hour long or the hour and 23 minute long version of The World is My Country? Okay, so there's a few of you who haven't seen it. Well, certainly, uh, I would highly encourage you to see the film and also to read Gary's uh, book, My Country is the World, which is really the, the book does, uh, uh, the film does a great job of bringing his memoir to life. It's amazing. I mean, as I, add, yeah. I think more people have seen it. Uh, there's two different things, raising hands and reactions. Okay. Please go to reactions and give a thumbs up if you have... Uh, Watch the film, The World is My Country. That way we'll know, I think almost everybody has seen it. Yeah. I know Jim Barton must have, uh, uh, Melanie, you and Wayne. <laughs> so put your, click your uh, reactions, thumbs up. Reactions. I guess the thumbs up automatically goes down after a while. But in any case, most of you have seen it. If you haven't, uh, we'll tell you afterwards how to go to it. Just go to uh, uh, theworldismycountry.com and you can watch it free. And to let you all know that sometime probably starting in September, uh, Citizens for Global Solutions has a World Citizen Virtual Book Club. Right now we're uh, studying the book World Federation by Ron Glossop. But the next book in line is uh, My Country is the World by Gary Davis. So this is another opportunity to delve deeper into uh, get the lifelong legacy of Gary Davis, his birthday, uh, he would have turned, I think, is it 98 or 99 uh, this, this year, if he were still alive, uh, on July 27th, which we call World Citizen Day to celebrate the life and legacy of, of Gary Davis. So we can continue this conversation even after today, coming in the, in the well, we may continue later on um, talking about ways to get engaged, and I may come back for another future meeting over the summer, but in the fall, we will talk about the book. And, and either you can purchase the book uh, from, of course, from Amazon, but you can also get it directly from World Service Authority. Well, so let me reintroduce myself just momentarily. I'm a human rights lawyer. I've been working at World Service Authority since 1992. So I worked with Gary Davis for almost 25 years. Uh, he, he had a couple of different gurus in his life, and I felt that Gary was sort of my wisdom giver. So I was always taking judicious notes when he was talking uh, when I first started working there and, and uh, really learned so much from him. And I feel my job now is to share the world citizenship movement that Gary Davis started with the world. Uh, this idea of what does it mean to be a human being? What does it mean to have rights and duties that are universal and that should be universally respected? Uh, I think it's so important that we not only share the legacy of what Gary did, but move it forward, move it forward for the world that we're living in, a world of, of inequality and injustice. And I can tell you that on um, WSA's website at worldservice.org slash update.html, or you can see it'll say Gary Davis slash David Gallup blog, but also hopefully either later today or tomorrow at globalsolutions.org, you will see a new blog about called Pandemic of Racism, which talks about the inequality and injustice or how we can achieve equality and justice in the world. 
So I'd certainly encourage you to follow those links later on, and maybe if, uh, before the end of the meeting's up in the chat in the chat box, I can I can put those links. Well, so I, one of the main goals I felt for today was to share some interesting information about World Service Authority that you know most people know if they've seen the film, they know that World Service Authority was the organization, as Arthur said, that Gary founded to not only help himself, but to help the myriad, uh, the multitude of refugees and stateless people in the world and uh, other vulnerable groups who are undocumented or who were suffering rights violations uh, just because they were not recognized by the certain government of the state where they happen to be born. Uh, so you know about the passport a little bit probably, but uh, this presentation that I'm about to start will sh share with you more information that you may not have known about. Uh, regarding World Service Authority and our day-to-day -day work. And I think it's so important for the world to know about what we do. And not only because uh, of the idea of world citizenship, but also the fact that we're helping people who may not be getting help anywhere else, who are th falling through the cracks in the international system. So you may know of somebody yourself who's in a difficult situation. And I would encourage you, if you know someone uh, in a refugee type situation or a stateless person or somebody else in a vulnerable group, please consider contacting World Service Authority because we do have a legal advocacy team, which I'll tell you about here shortly, that might be able to work on their case. So definitely keep us in mind, not just for document issuance uh, like the World Passport, but, but for perhaps legal advocacy issues when it comes to human rights matters. So now I'd like to share my screen and I will start a a uh, little slideshow. Okay. Does that so, make you the crack man? Does it make me what, Tom? The crack man? Crack man? <laughs> crack <laughs> man. I'm, I'm Sorry. Not okay. <laughs> well, um, you said you take care of people who fall through the cracks. So. Oh, the, okay. Yeah, that, yes, yes, that's right. I, I guess you could call me the crack man in, the, in that respect, Tom, yes. So, okay. Well, so this first slide uh, shows the name of the organization, our uh, logo, which is the human embracing the globe, the human uh, who's hugging the world, you might say. And our vision is world peace and justice through world citizenship and world law. And Gary always made it a point to explain that it's not just how we ID ourselves, what, how we look at ourselves as human beings or as world citizens, but it's also linking that idea of citizenship to law and even to governing structures. Because just because you have uh, an identification doesn't necessarily mean you have all the tools that you need to live together peacefully. So that is our vision. World Service Authority's mission is to educate about, promote, and implement human rights, world citizenship, world law, and probably the most important part is to uh, implement uh, ways that we can, and institutions that we can build and structures that we can build to live together peacefully, peacefully with each other and with the earth because it's not just human to human interaction that's important as we've realized uh, you know you know many you know much lately but also our interaction uh, human to interaction with the earth and how we treat our our parent earth our our, our only home Oops, let me move forward if i can oh there we go okay so um, so let me tell you a little bit more about World Service Authority. And uh, when, it, when I say WSA, just that's the abbreviation, of course, for the organization. So you're aware, as I mentioned, that we issue the World Passport, but you may not be aware that we issue a lot of other documents. We issue a world identification card, a world birth card, a world birth certificate, a world political asylum card, a world marriage certificate. In fact, we were one of the first organizations uh, a long, long time ago, back in the 1990s, before marriage equality uh, was even a thought here in the United States. We were issuing uh, marriage certificates to the LGBTQ community to affirm their right as couples to be together. So I'm very proud that we were way ahead of the, of the, the rest of the world uh, on that front. So do know that we can issue you documents more than just the World Passport. We can actually officially, legally, and politically register you as a world citizen, and you will receive a small world citizen card and a larger paper certificate. 
And one of the first things I always like to tell people is that when you, because if you, especially if you've seen the Gary Davis uh, documentary, The World is My Country, you might think, oh, what, does that mean if I register as a world citizen, am I uh, giving up some other allegiance? No, not at all. You are just adding that higher allegiance to humanity and to the earth when you register as a world citizen. So it's a, it's a question of having a world citizenship mentality, knowing that you have rights and duties uh, to other humans and to the planet. So also consider, even in addition to uh, applying for the world passport, to get your world citizen card and certificate, which you can also do at worldservice.org. Now, the next aspect to World Service Authority, I feel like it's almost become really half of what the organization does, and that is uh, the legal department, the, our legal advocacy team at WSA. I was originally hired as WSA's general counsel back in 1992 to create a, a department that would help uh, passport holders who were having difficulty in exercising their rights, either whether they had the world passport and didn't get a visa or were uh, stuck in a country and they needed to try to leave. So we needed to write a legal affidavit of support or a valid legal validity letter or maybe a legal brief. Um, but we help people who don't even have WSA documents. It doesn't matter if you're suffering from a human rights violation and you reach out to us, we, uh, you know, it could be something very minimal, just directing you to uh, a legal organization outside of ours that might uh, provide representation to you locally, or it might be writing a full-fledged 30-page amicus curiae friend of the court brief to support your right to asylum in a particular country. So our, our legal advocacy team is, I'm very proud of, uh, because it, that was sort of my, my uh, job to create that legal department and to, uh, provide the advocacy. And I have to say that uh, most of the uh, legal team over the years has been volunteer lawyers and law students from around the world. And I'll get to that a little bit later here uh, in this presentation. So we're also working to establish a World Court of Human Rights, uh, similar to the International Criminal Court, which from inception to creation really took less than about 10 years to create, which is pretty amazing. So we're just starting at this point to build a coalition for a World Court of Human Rights. It doesn't yet exist, but you could go to worldcourtofhumanrights.net and you will see information, even a draft statute uh, for the World Court of Human Rights. Because I don't know if you're familiar with this, but 60% of the world's population lives in a part of the world that has no uh, even regional human rights uh, institution. And that happens to be Asia, because in Africa, there's an African Commission in Court. In the Americas, there's the Inter-American Commission in Court. In Europe, the European Commission in Court. There's also an Arab Charter of Rights. But in Asia, there is no Asian Court of Human Rights. That, that means that if you can't get your rights respected where you live in that part of the world at the national level, there may be very few options or legal recourse for you after that. So this is why it's so important that we uh, fill that gap by providing uh, global justice, uh, both locally, regionally, and globally. So certainly, if you're interested in, in helping us to promote and establish and build the coalition for the World Court of Human Rights, definitely want to email us to info at worldservice.org. Um, what else? Well, so just recently with Citizens for Global Solutions, I'm also proud to say uh, we have created a World Citizen Club, and I will talk a little bit more about that later in the presentation, but it's a way to get youth uh, of the world, both in uh, high schools and universities and colleges, to um, think about being, what does it mean to be a world peacemaker and to activate their passions in this student-run club on, on campuses. Well, Gary, I mean, Arthur mentioned that Gary had created World Service Authority a few months after he had founded the World Citizen Government. You might say it's a government in microcosm and that we have some of the accoutrements of, that most governments have, like document issuance, like the legal backup, and we're working to build the institutions that we need to have to have a peaceful world like a World Court of Human Rights. And of course, we support other uh, initiatives around the world to build like a United Nations Parliamentary Assembly or a parliament, a world parliament of the people. Um, so this is this was something that was founded in 1953 and then in, uh, in 1954, World Service Authority. So here's a, 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 an information sheet, which of course, if we were meeting here in person, which I, I wish we could, I wish I could give everybody a hug right now. Sadly, of course, we, we can't do that completely yet, uh, but we will get there. 
Um, but uh, so I would like to highlight just a few items on our information fact sheet. Of course, there's a picture of, of Gary hol holding the world flag or an uh, initial or original version of the world flag. And he happens to be standing in front of the United Nations there, actually. But let me just highlight a few things uh, from our fact sheet. Well, we received close to 10,000 requests for human rights assistance uh, from people all around the world every year. And it's for documentation, it's for information about how do they claim, how do you claim your human rights, it's for advocacy uh, in, in applying for uh, documents, it's for advocacy when there's human rights violations. We've actually issued close to 5 million different documents, of which almost a million has been in the world passport. But as I said, there's other documents like our ID, our political asylum card, uh, world marriage certificate that we've issued to, to many people also around the world. We do, and I'll mention this a little bit later, that we do issue uh, gratis or free documents to refugees, especially in refugee camps, because oftentimes they are prohibited from actually working if you're stuck in a camp. Uh, and um, uh, they wouldn't have the fees or funds to to pay for the document issuance fees, which is really the sole source of income that, that World Service Authority receives. We don't receive any grants from any foundations, from any national governments, from any anyone other than the global public. You might say we're crowdsourced or public, public funded by uh, the government. Um, and we do have a World Refugee Fund, actually, which uh, allows people to make a large donation of $400 or more. The person who makes that donation gets a world donor passport. Uh, and then that allows us to provide free documents, as I said, to people, especially stateless people and refugees, or sometimes uh, people who uh, have economic need, uh, as well as our legal advocacy. Because uh, even though the, our volunteer legal team is, vo is volunteer, um, there's still costs to doing that. Every time we send out uh, like a legal brief to the African Commission, for example, on human and people's rights. It costs, you know, if we're sending it by DHL, that's $110 just to send out a legal brief uh, and get the attention of, of an intergovernmental uh, commission. And um, I'm also really proud of our Human Rights Awareness Project. Uh, way right when I started back, you know, 1992, when I started back at World Service Authority, even before that, uh, with every document that we send out, we send out a copy of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, uh, at least in the six UN languages. Um, and then we, uh, we have a few other languages too, and we'll send that out to, to the people, who, both who apply for documents and as well, as well as people who just are asking for information. We've sent out hundreds of thousands of copies of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, um, since at least since I've been there. Uh, and there, believe it or not, there's some fun stories I have, like uh, there was a, a guy named Mr. Yanni who was the um, head of the UN Information Center here in Washington, DC. And, and he would call on me and say, David, you know, can you give me 300 copies of the Declaration of Human Rights uh, you know, next week because I'm having a whole bunch of students come and visit the Information Center. And it's much easier for me to get those documents and quickly from you than for me to ask from the Department of Information in New York. And so we would, we would give him you know, multiple copies. But it was actually a nice give and take situation because he would then give us copies of the UN Charter that I could hand out to students who participate in our legal internship. So they could read the Charter and we use the UN Charter when we're uh, referring to some of our fundamental human rights because it does refer to human rights, in particular in Articles 55 and 56 of, of the Charter. So those are just some of the things on our information fact sheet that I would like to, to highlight. And of course, most of these flyers, uh, once again, we can uh, either email or mail to you if you're interested later on. Here's a sample of the World Passport. Uh, this is, there's Gary. Uh, Gary, not everybody knows, but his, his parents called him S. Gareth Davis, but of course he pretty much the rest of his life was known by Gary. And Gary once told me the story that, that his parents couldn't really decide what what to name him and you know some people said that the s stood for sol sol but um but no gary said you know it was really just an s uh, um uh but but that uh, uh he, that's why i think he, he it was easier for him to just go by gary <laughs> anyway we have a second version of the world password which says world government and i can show you that later when i'm not sharing the screen it says world government password on the cover and gary felt that as a citizen of the world citizen government that he helped to found maybe the word government should also be on the password so we actually offer two versions of the world passport one thing that a lot of people don't know is that almost 96% or just about 96% of all countries in the world have actually stamped world passports over the years since 1954, visa, entry, and exit stamps from embassies, from consulates, uh, at frontier posts, at borders. Um, that means right now it actually is about 188 countries that have 
actually stamped. Now, that's the countries that we're aware of. And there's you know, a few more countries than that, at least that are member states of the UN and even a few other countries that aren't member states of the UN or that are fledgling countries. And many of those may have recognized the passport. We are only aware of what uh, people have actually sent to us, copies of stamps that they've gotten, or when they send their passport back for renewal, we will flip through the passport and say, oh, look at those visas that this person got that we hadn't seen before. And then of course we take a scan of those for further evidence of ongoing recognition of the passport. And so this shows you the legal authority, I would say in particular of the passport, but also of the work that World Service Authority is doing. Uh, the world passport has been recognized, de jure means legally or officially, uh, by six countries, which are Burkina Faso, Ecuador, Mauritania, Tanzania, Togo, and Zambia. And it's been recognized, as I've just mentioned, by 188 other countries. Then uh, that's by them actually placing stamps in it on a de facto or de jure basis. But then the documents that we issue and the work that we do can, you can say, finds its legal basis under treaty law, customary law, under national constitutions, and on our basic, you might say, fundamental rights. So under treaty law, for example, in the UN Charter, Articles 55 and 56 state that all UN member states shall promote the universal respect for and observance of human rights and fundamental freedoms. That's Article 55. Article 56 actually says that governments must do it or states must do it jointly and separately, meaning that even if one country is uh, violating rights, another country can't say, oh, well, they're violating rights, so I'm going to too. No, all governments really are bound by treaty law, at least the, the member states of the UN to respect our uh, fundamental rights. Um, and then in the uh, Covenant on Civil and Political Rights um, and on uh, the Refugee Convention, the Stateless Persons Convention, um, and uh, in regional human rights treaties, all affirm our fundamental human rights. And in particular, um, uh, they talk about the, uh, uh, like this, the, uh, International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights talks about in Article uh, 12 our right to freedom of travel and in Article uh, 16 about our right to recognition everywhere as a person or an individual with rights before the law, meaning that we have the rights rights as just by being human beings and we also have the right to freedom of travel. Those are, for World Service Authority, those two rights, identification and travel, are probably the, the most fundamental because so many of our other rights really are dependent upon those. And we'll get to that uh, idea here in just a moment. And then also in the Declaration of Human Rights under customary law, uh, in a, and at some point, maybe in the question and answer session, if people are interested, we could talk about what's the difference between customary law and, and binding treaty law. But anyway, in the Declaration of Human Rights, Article 13 affirms the right to freedom of travel. It says, everyone has the right to freedom of movement and residence within the borders of each state, and everyone has the right to leave any country, including one's own, and to return to one's country. So when you put Artic uh, Article 13, Sections 1 and 2 together, it means we actually have the right to freedom of travel on planet Earth, uh, uh, which is not always respected, as we know, on a day-to-day -day basis, but we have that right. It really just means that we have to start claiming it. Um, and then in Article 6 also says, everyone has the right to recognition everywhere as a person before the law. We're, well, who is everyone? Well, everyone is, is every human being, right? All of us on planet Earth. And where is everywhere? Well, that's the whole Earth, right? So if everyone has a right to recognition everywhere, that means that we as human beings have a universal rights that should be universally respected. Uh, and also, because there are so many new countries that have established new constitutions um, over the past 50 years, there are some really great and wonderful national constitutions. Like, for example, I'll give the example of Ecuador, which actually says, if you read deeply into the constitution, it says that they will uh, 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 subjugate their sovereignty to a higher level world government or world citizen government should it ever be created, which is really interesting. It's one of the few national constitutions that actual men actually mentions that. And they're also their constitution is great because it affirms the right to freedom of travel for everyone, not just people from Ecuador. Um, but a lot of constitutions, when they do refer to the right to freedom of travel, oftentimes it is related just to the citizens of that particular country. So uh, we also have innate and inalienable rights, which affirm whether it's identification or travel or our other fundamental rights. Uh, innate meaning we are born with those rights just simply by being human beings and uh, inalienable or unalienable, uh, as it says in the Declaration of Independence, uh, meaning that we cannot give up those rights. We cannot sell those rights away. We, we have them. This is just a little bit more information about myself, uh, but I'll talk not about myself, but I'll talk about uh, the, the picture here. I'm standing with Yasin Bey, who many people would know probably better as Most Deaf. He's a hip hop artist, 
an actor. And uh, if you've seen The World is My Country, you know, uh, at least the longer version, the 83 minute version, you've seen him talking about how he has his, even his own website, um, um, A Country Called Earth. And uh, he is really devoted to the work of, of World Service Authority. Uh, he had gotten a world passport when he was living in South Africa. He, and just quick, quickly, I can tell you, he was trying to leave the country to, to go to a gig in Ethiopia, but he didn't have time to get a visa, which we always encourage passport holders to do. Always go to the embassy or consulate first to try to get the visa, because if you just show up at the airport without the visa, the visa stamped in your passport ahead of time, you might have some difficulty. So anyway, he didn't have time to do that. He got stopped uh, and the frontier guards didn't understand what he was trying to do or what it was. Uh, and I think because he was a real, very well-known person around the world, they were trying to make an example of him because, and, and I can tell you for, for firsthand that we have been dealing with a lot of people from other countries that have, had come into South Africa and the government of South Africa, unfortunately, had not treated them very well, refugees and stateless people. And I think by, showing him off as an example of how they're harsh they were going to be, even, even to a famous person, um, uh, was why they did it. But fortunately, um, his lawyer got a hold of me, a, a great guy named Bernie, uh, who um, is in New York, and he also had a lawyer in South Africa. But we wrote uh, uh, several different legal letters all the way to the president of South Africa. And they, we actually got a letter back from the president's office thanking us for explaining the legal validity of the world passport, showing about 15 or 16 different stamps that the government of South Africa had recently placed in world passport holders' passports. And then they uh, basically dropped uh, most of the charges uh, against him uh, because of our um, legal uh, intervention in his case. And this is me, uh, this was about 10 minutes before midnight on New Year's Eve, he was playing at the Kennedy Center. Uh, so I it was great, my wife and I got to go and, and listen to him, uh, his music and, and uh, play and his talking to the, the audience. He was amazing, he was really uh, an incredible person. So glad to call him a, a friend. This just happens to be uh, uh, an award I received uh, as a human rights advocate. I participated in, a, in an event in California last fall where I got to give a speech on the socioeconomic impact of uh, lack of documents to be being undocumented. So it was really nice to, to get some recognition for the work that, that I've been doing for many years uh, in the human rights field. We also, World Service Authority has gotten a lot of publicity over the years. I mean, Gary Davis himself, there's been tens of thousands of articles, of interviews, uh, podcasts, even you know, near the end of his life where he was doing internet uh, radio shows. He even had his own World Citizen Radio, which we're actually planning on starting perhaps again soon, a World Citizen Radio podcast. Uh, but, you know, for example, uh, Sylvia Nasser, who wrote A Beautiful Mind, and which then became a, a best picture uh, at the Academy Awards, uh, there's a whole chapter called Citoyen du Monde, World Citizen. Uh, which was about Gary Davis and how John Nash, the, the subject of that book, had actually thought about emulating uh, Gary Davis uh, in, in his life. Um, and so Sylvia Nasser had interviewed Gary and, and me uh, for, for that book. Uh, you know, we appeared on multiple different uh, platforms like BBC and the New York Times and in foreign policy. And uh, right at the bottom of the screen, it was kind of funny. Uh, Trevor Noah, the head of the, the, you know, in charge of The Daily Show, he was on Stephen Colbert, actually. And it was not long after the incident with Mostef, uh, you know, Yassine Bey in, in South Africa. And somehow Stephen Colbert joked about, you know, oh, you know, well, it'd be nice to have a world password. And Trevor's like, Yes, there actually is a world passport because he's, you know, he's from South Africa, so he knew, he knew about the story. So anyway, we, we've had a lot of media recognition over the years, and I do myself, uh, internet radio shows and, and, uh, and speak to the, the public, the news media, uh, about the work that we do. Well, so um, now I'd like to talk a little bit about um, uh, the global identity gap. Um, what, what is... Uh, why do the rights to identification and, and freedom of travel matter? Why are those so important? Well, you know, how does the impact of the lack of, of documents have on people's rights? Well, without a birth certificate or identification part, card, people cannot conduct uh, their uh, daily activities. And there's about a billion people in the world uh, who don't have documents, not even a, a birth certificate or anything. Uh, and that's just what they know about. I'm sure there's even more people who don't have documents that, that the World Bank couldn't uh, actually verify. Um, and there are, um, uh, these people are overwhelmingly in sub-Saharan uh, Africa and South Asia. They're typically members of the poorest and most vulnerable groups, such as marginalized women and girls, refugees, uh, stateless persons, people with disabilities, and people living in rural and remote areas. 
almost 50% of women and girls in the poorest countries do not have an identification document and have never been registered at birth. Well, so of course there's a, a dramatic impact on people's daily lives if, simply because they don't have documents. It can uh, affect their ability to um, uh, own property, to open a bank account, to get credit. Uh, they may not be able to obtain emergency aid in times of crisis. They may not be able to get health care. And we know now, you know, how serious the uh, and how uh, uh, the um, impact on uh, vulnerable groups of people and how it dramatically impacts vulnerable people even more or people who are uh, in an economically depressed situation uh, to not be able to get health care during a pandemic especially uh, and if you don't have an identification document a doc a doctor or a may not uh, or a clinic may not want to see you uh, they may not or they may reject you completely so it has a, a, a immediate impact economically on you know on economic rights uh, of people, uh, you know, you may not be able to drive a car, and if you can't, if you need a car, uh, or you need to take some kind of public transportation where you need identification, and in other parts of the world, maybe more so than here in, in America, you might need that. Uh, you, you may not be able to get to work or, or go to work, so that's that could be a really uh, dramatic impact just by not having identification documents. Um, but it's also, of course, an impact on, on people's other human rights, not just their economic rights, but their uh, civil, political, uh, uh, and social rights. I mean, children could be forced into marriage uh, if they cannot prove their age. Um, people, adults in their community may not be able to vote. They may not be able to participate in, in governing their community if they cannot um, uh, provide a document of identification to, to prove their, their status and their, their age. Um, sometimes, as, as I said previously, you know, it really dramatically can impact uh, healthcare. Um, uh, so uh, there's other, other, other impacts on the lack of, of identification documents, which in, in certainly it impacts the right to travel. Uh, and the right to travel, as I said earlier, can really be important for people if you um, are in a situation of persecution, if you don't have either the world passport or a national passport, you can't you can't get any document. You may not you may be stuck in the place where you're being persecuted. You may actually have to go into hiding uh, because you cannot leave that place. So an important uh, part of having identification document, especially a travel document, is being able to leave in times of crisis. And and now we know it's not just because of persecution. It could be due to climate change that sea levels are rising and whole countries are are going underwater. And that means you may. May not be able to, to 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 leave if you don't have a document in hand. You know who who will take you in in another country if they if they you know they don't care that you're just a human another human being. They they want to see an identification document. It may also be mean that uh, if you want to get a, maybe a better life, a job in another place because you can't get a job in the place where you're living because your skills are they are maybe not needed. Or maybe you want to get a better education. Uh, if you don't have a travel document, uh, you may not be able to do that. So it certainly impacts all of our of our other rights and and definitely it uh, is impacting uh, people in an unjust and unequal way due to their race or ethnicity uh, sometimes their their social group um, or even uh, religion so having not having a travel document really uh, is a serious uh, situation for many people on the planet so now I'd like to just highlight uh, just some excerpts from some of the letters of need that we've gotten. So I'm not gonna read all these, but just a few phrases from, from each one, just so you can see. And, and if you watch The World Is My Country, you'll see Gary actually reading some of the letters from um, individuals who, uh, you know, who, who've come to World Service Story. Oh gosh, I see how, how time is flying. So maybe I need to, to pick this up a little bit. Um, but so here's a person who says, I'm a Rohingya ethnicity who fled from Myanmar living here in Saudi Arabia with a difficult situation. I respect Saudi Arabia, but I don't have my own country's passport, so I can't live here. I'm a destitute boy and bad luck is tormenting me. I don't have a father, brother, sisters. I've been left alone. It's hard for me to find clothes, food, and shelter. I like to contact your esteemed office and get your assistance and protection, being a vulnerable refugee under your mandate. Uh, this person says uh, he arrived in South Africa. Uh, he's an asylum seeker. He started a business, but uh, that he'd been running, but due to the rise of xenophobic attacks directed at foreign business people, he feels that his safety has been diminished and he's trying to get an application for a world passport to leave the country. This person says, I've, I've lived in Europe for 30 years without 
any official document for this uh, simple fact that unfortunately he is, uh, they, they are stateless. Um, this person says, I'm an immigrant in France for the past six years. I've been suffering a lot without residency, without work here, without a work permit, and I cannot make a living. I need this passport so I can continue my life like everyone else to continue my life in the world. This person uh, says, I am married, I have four kids. My mother and brother dependent upon me and I kindly ask you to provide me the world passport. It will great, great kindness for my life and family to carry out my short-term roles in international territory and, and waters. He's a seafarer and the world day of seafarers is coming up. I think it's tomorrow. Um, then uh, this last one, my father died in a car accident in December. My father and brothers wanted to kill me for my property. I left my homeland for this cause and I come to Greece. I don't have any documents here because Greece, the Greece's law for the documents are very difficult. Therefore, I'm requesting a world passport. So those are some of the, just a few of the letters that we get and emails that we get every day. But there are a lot of uh, success stories that we have and the some of these names, of course, are, are blocked out for the privacy uh, of the individuals that are uh, referred to here. And there's a few other people whose names are listed uh, that you could actually see, but, and I'll talk about those later. But just to know, let you know that there's a lot of uh, cases of our uh, legal advocacy or of the documents that have helped people. Let me just give you three recent examples of how the World Passport, for example, or other documents that we issue have helped people. There was a family of uh, Afghani and Iraqi refugees who made their way to Norway. Uh, and uh, they, their national passports were no longer valid. Uh, and they were trying to find work there. Now they had been given residency, which is great. Uh, but then they got the World Passport. And even with the World Passport, they were still having some difficulties. But with the World Passport, it became a springboard to further support their rights. They were able to get a local bank ID card, which had their photograph on it. And with that bank ID card, with their photograph, they were able to then travel to other countries in Scandinavia, which had more job opportunities uh, for them. That, so that for, uh, affirmed their right to, to work. Um, WSA has issued uh, thousands of, of documents uh, to refugees and stateless persons over the years, but we did issue more than a thousand just to the Agoni refugees in Benin. You've, you may have heard of the Agoni refugees um, who've come from Nigeria because of the problems going on in oil, oil digging in their homeland, which basically made their land unlivable. So many of them fled to uh, Benin, uh, and some of them have been able to leave the refugee camp during the day because they have the world passport. I can tell you there was a sort of a sad story. There was a few refugees who actually made their way to another country in Africa, which I won't, I won't uh, mention, but they made it their way to another country. Uh, and then they found that actually in that other country, uh, their rights were actually maybe worse respected than they were in the refugee camp. And I think they ended up going back to where they had family and friends and a network because they'd grown up in the refugee camp. Um, so even though they had had the freedom to, to travel, uh, in the end, it maybe wasn't the best thing for them. Um, and then uh, there's an example of, of a child who was born of non-ethnically Russian parents uh, in Russia. And um, the, uh, uh, because, because of the child's status, uh, the government did not, there did not want to give the child a birth certificate. And without a birth certificate, the child may not have been able to get medical care or go to school. So he uh, applied for, the parents applied for the world birth certificate. And then the doctor was then was able to give the child vaccinations and provide medical care. And then the child was actually able to go to school just because, based upon our world birth certificate. Here's just a picture which also does show up in the world as my country of some of the Agoni refugees who had received our world passport. They're showing it off, you know, proud. Uh, Gary would go into refugee camps and hand people passports. And when they would look at it, they felt, you know, I'm alive, I'm real. Now that I have this document, you know, my life matters. And it's, it's sad though, that we, you know, will rely upon a document to give people uh, some kind of value. You know, the value, of course, is within us, in our, in our hearts and in our minds, not in a piece of paper. But, but it is uh, amazing the, the power that just a, a doc, one document can, can provide. We do have um, offices, that, not offices, but representatives around the world. This is Ali Akil Khalil, who's our representative in Lebanon. Here he's hap, ha, uh, happening to hand out um, uh, supplies to school children in Beirut. Uh, let me give you uh, three examples of our 
legal assistance. So separate from the documentation, like I said, we have our legal advocacy team. And a couple of quick examples, there's an Eritrean who, who had made his way to the United States. He was facing religious persecution in, in Eritrea. His lawyer was very overwhelmed. She was not able to really do uh, enough for him, but we had written a friend of the court brief, sent it to uh, the lawyer, and she loved the brief. And literally like 10 minutes before the brief, all the briefs were due in the court, like a week before the hearing, she got it to the court. And thanks to our brief, he was able to get asylum in the United States. I'm so proud of the, the legal work that we do to, to help people. It's such a reward. Um, there was a, a Nigerian man who had uh, gotten to Hong Kong but was arrested when he got there. Uh, it took, uh, he had already been there in jail by the time we got to his case for 18 years, believe it or not. Um, but we wrote, it took about two years for us to write four different briefs. Finally, after the fourth brief to the government of Hong Kong, we were able to get him released on his own recognizance where he's still residing. Um, and uh, another case of, we have a lot of Angolans who've come to us. Uh, there was a woman uh, from Angola who had been erroneously put on the terrorism-related inadmissibility grounds list, which just because she had come from Angola, the, go the government of Angola puts people on that list if they flee like a refugee, uh, sort of to, to hinder them, uh, but, uh, themselves. But anyway, so uh, we, we wrote to the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, uh, and literally within two months, she was able to get her uh, permanent resident green card, and she was very uh, thankful. And here's a letter from her saying, I want to thank your team. I finally received my green card after 10 years. Uh, and I hope you continue to do the same work for, for other people. Um, but so the, the documents that we provide uh, certainly can help people not just for travel, but even for local uh, needs, like getting on a train or, or a bus, opening a bank account, uh, checking into a hotel, check, uh, getting a library card or, or maybe getting a gym membership. Sometimes people don't even you know, have any identification document but need to present something to get their prescription at the pharmacy. And in the past, certainly uh, people were able to get uh, uh, driver's licenses. It's become a lot harder, certainly with the Real ID Act, uh, government, you know, state governments becoming more strict. But certainly in the past, people have been able to use the, the documents for, for things other than, than travel. So we have a list of, of um, commissioners, our advisory council, and I'll just mention a few of these people. Uh, Dr. Carol Sue Rosen, who's our World Space Commissioner, she actually worked with Werner von Braun, one of the first uh, rocketry people here in the United States. She's an amazing uh, individual. She uh, has created an organization to prevent the weaponization of space. So we go to these people like any advisory council to get you know, ideas and assistance uh, uh, to move the, the world citizenship movement forward. Um, and I uh, also want to mention um, Nathaniel Mills. He's our world sports commissioner. He was the head of the U.S. speed skating team in 1998. Uh, he was a coach for a, a, an Olympic uh, gold and, and bronze medalist named Shawnee Davis, who you'll see in a picture coming up. Um, and he's also actually vice president of, of WSA. So we work together closely. But he has his own uh, D.C. inner city excellence program, which teaches ice skating as a uh, tool uh, to teach uh, good uh, sportspersonship and good citizenship. Uh, also, Jagdish Gandhi, who some of you may be uh, familiar with, he's our World ed Youth Education Commissioner. He um, ha heads the largest uh, uh, public school in the world in, in India. These are some of the people we've given uh, honorary world passports to thank them for the work they've done, like Shawnee Davis, Eleanor Roosevelt, Vandana Shiva, Oprah Winfrey, and of course the, the Dalai Lama, and Arthur can tell you more about this later, but, but I know that I'm pretty certain that the Dalai Lama has seen the world as my country and really appreciated uh, the film. So there's, a, you know, there's others too who have given uh, world passports to to thank them. Uh, so we have partners. One, of course, of, is the Citizens for Global Solutions, and I'm really proud and delighted to be on their board heading their uh, two teams, their uh, Peace and Justice Studies outreach team to reach out to Peace and Justice Studies in, in North America to share the idea of world federation and world citizenship, as well as their multimedia presentation program. You might say this is, this is one of the programs, uh, one of the presentations that we're doing, uh, you might say, through World Service Authority and Citizens for Global Solutions. I'm not going to read all of these, but just to let you know that there's some other important ones like Future Wave, our Arthur and Melanie's organization to promote the Gary Davis story in the world is my country. Um, we've presented uh, at various organizations like at Rotary Clubs. We were so proud to present the world is my country at the uh, only human rights museum in the world, which is in Winnipeg, Canada, last fall at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. A lot of Rotarians were there, but we've also uh, presented at uh, Unitarian Universalist churches and at Veterans for Peace groups. 
Um, and a few of our uh, people we've worked with very closely was Rufus King Jr., who used to be the chief judge of the DC Superior Court. He helped found World Service Authority when we moved our headquarters from Basel, Switzerland in 1976 and incorporated as a nonprofit in Washington, DC. Robin Lloyd, who did some previous documentaries about World Service Authority, uh, one called Passport to Freedom, um, and one called World Citizen Rio, which followed Gary, one was following Gary when the Berlin Wall was coming down, and one was following Gary at the Earth Summit. Uh, she's a big supporter uh, of the work that we do, and she had she created the Peace and Justice Center in Burlington, and is a, a law, lifelong member of the International League for Peace and Freedom. Mark Ottinger is the attorney we're working with on our World of Human Rights, and of course, there Melanie and Arthur show up again, and I want to thank them so much for for this opportunity to speak with you today again. And then there's a few other people, Christian Christian Meisch, who's a professor who who uh, I teach several seminars at American University. One's coming up in just about a week and a half uh, that I'll, I teach World Federation and World citizenship ideas to students who may never have heard of these ideas before, or maybe have heard of them but don't know what they mean. And Coleman McCarthy, you may know he was a Washington Post a columnist, and now he just teaches peace classes, and Gary went into his class all the time to chat. There are a lot of organizations around the world that uh, come to us for assistance for the people they're dealing with, refugee assistance. Um, even the United States uh, Army came to us during the height of the war in Iraq because they had translators and the Iraqi government did not have capacity at that point because uh, Saddam Hussein was toppled. They didn't have a uh, capacity to issue documents. So they came to us to issue the passport for their translators who so they could then travel along with the US troops to do translation work. Uh, and then there's a few lawyers listed like uh, Salu used to have his office next to us, an immigration lawyer. Uh, his clients right after September 11, 2001 were being rejected by the US Marshal Service because the clients had come in with a brother or sister's passport from Ethiopia or Eritrea and had to give that passport up um, when they came. So they had nothing. But then when he realized, oh yeah, I can get an ID card or a passport from World Service Authority. And then the Marshal Service actually let them have their day in court because then they had the identification document that we provided to them. Even, even believe it or not, over the years, there have been stowaways on boats and other things where the shipping company or insurance companies have contacted us for, uh, or even US Citizenship and Immigration Services have contacted us for help in issuing documents to people where, once again, uh, who uh, national governments really don't know what to do with. Um, so we have many interns, have had many interns over the years, and these are some of the organizations and universities uh, that have sponsored interns uh, or where interns have come from to participate in our internship program. Uh, now we're getting close to 240, actually, students have participated since 1993 from all over the world. It's amazing. Uh, some of them are lawyers, even. Some of them are law students, and some of them are graduate or undergraduate students. Um, here are four uh, of our legal, previous legal interns, uh, uh, starting from uh, well, my left, Ev, who's from France, uh, Lindsay from the U.S., Vlad, who was from Moldova, and Masimba from Zimbabwe. All of them are, are uh, practicing lawyers now, and they took our, our legal internship. We also have a communications internship now, too, though, where students are doing social media posts and, and working on uh, communications projects. Uh, these are some of the places where interns after they worked at World Service Authority have gone on to work at the Peace Corps, to work at the State Department, to work at some amazing places and to take the ideas of world citizenship with them. That's why it's so important that we have these conversations about what it means to be a human being and to have rights. This is one of the things, as I said at the beginning, that I'm, I'm really most proud of, of my work, both at World Service Authority and at Citizens for Global Solutions, is our World Citizen Clubs that we're really just launching in the last year. This is, you can see in the picture, uh, uh, the World Citizen Club at Webster University, and the, the woman sitting at the desk was the president of that club. In fact, two people who are now on the board of Citizens for Global Solutions, uh, Samawit and Hannah, uh, were in the World Citizen Club at Webster. And of course, unfortunately, as, as the pandemic has swept the world, schools and clubs had to, to close down, but we're hoping perhaps next spring maybe, or it could be even fall of, of 21, when we can really ramp up the, the uh, club uh, idea, because it really engages students in their passions of, of, of helping the world. So if you know of any students of high school or, or college, university age, please also let us know. Um, and this really pretty much concludes uh, my comments about World Service Authority, but there's some children here, and the reason why there's children in the picture and a few of the documents is to say that it's important that we engage youth in this idea of world citizenship, in this idea of creating a uh, federation of nations, of, of a, a peaceful world, a peaceful, just, free, and sustainable world. 
Um, and I just want to say there's a few ways that we should get, you know, you should get involved, that we should get youth involved. Uh, we have an I'm a World Citizen campaign uh, where you can actually record yourself saying why you see yourself as a world citizen or what does world citizenship mean to you? And we will put that up on our social media uh, feeds all around the world. Um, we, you know, you can identify yourself. As, as human beings, first and foremost, by getting a world passport, by, by registering as a world citizen. Um, and uh, we also have those internship programs, which I mentioned, which is mostly for, uh, usually for young adults uh, of college or, or, or graduate or law school age. And, and we encourage them to participate in our legal and our social media internship. And finally, as I mentioned, our world citizen clubs, there's this, the world is my country club uh, that Arthur and, and Melanie are, are producing, but then there's also the world citizen clubs uh, for the youth of the world. And we're starting out, uh, you know, as we said in North America with getting students engaged. So, um, uh, I guess I'll, I'll stop now and say thank you again for your extreme patience and, and listening to my uh, explanations of the work of World Service Authority, but I'm happy to answer any questions that you have. I'm going to stop sharing my screen now so that we can all see each other again. And once again, thank you for this wonderful uh, way, uh, time to explain the, the work that I, I feel is so important and I've devoted my entire adult life to. Thank you so much, David. It's really incredibly amazing that you've been able to do so much as a uh, uh, with, with, with no foundation grants, with hardly any uh, contributions. Uh, and I do think we should all uh, get behind supporting that. Uh, go to uh, worldservice.org. Uh, uh, there's a button where you can make a contribution to this effort or get the world donor passport. Have a lovely leather. Well, I, do, I don't know if that's so good for the cows, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but you can get a top-notch passport uh, and it'll also help others. And, uh, you know, this is a great way to... Uh, uh, to support this important work. Okay, now if anybody has a question, go ahead and raise your hand uh, and I'll look over here at the hands up. Uh, let's see. Uh, 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 let me see if I see. Any. Oh, there's a hand. Uh, let me see if I have a hand. Any, uh, any questions? Uh, okay, I'm gonna start with Jim. Uh, Jim, uh, go ahead and uh, I'm unmuting you uh, and go ahead and uh, you can speak. Well, I just want to acknowledge the work that, that David has done. Um, it, it brings a whole... For two minutes only, please. <laughs> I'm sorry? Just two minutes only, please. Melanie will time you. Go I, I just want to not acknowledge the work David's done, and I want to acknowledge the presentation and the impact he's had. And of course, I know Gary from a long time ago, and just want to acknowledge what you guys are doing. So I don't have a question. Just a big thank you for, for being there. Well, you're welcome. No, I... I this is my, to be a lawyer and to do this kind of work for me, once again, it, it's come from the heart. I, I love, I love to have worked, you know, that I got the chance to know Gary so well uh, and to, to learn from him and then to be able to, to continue this important idea of world citizenship. Jim, thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's nice to hear. Sure. Sure. Okay. Jane, uh, yeah, I'll call on you next here. Um. Has the work passport or anything like it or any of the other documents been of use to undocumented immigrants in the U.S.? Yes. I mean, sometimes uh, we've worked with other organizations like the uh, Tahira Justice Center, which I want to certainly encourage you to go to tahira.org. They provide advocacy for uh, battered women and girls who fled other countries, especially Latin America. And certainly uh, we've, we've provided free documents to some of those uh, women and girls who came here and, and had nothing. So definitely, like I said, there have been immigration lawyers who know what we do and have clients who have nothing. So they, they have to have some kind of identification document just to conduct some of their daily, their daily lives to, ex to exist in society. So yes, it, it has helped immigrants even here in the United States. Thank you, Jane, for that, that great question. <laughs> I have a uh, hypothetical question, uh, which I'm sure you can't give a positive answer, but um, I'd like your opinion. Uh, had I, if I have a uh, world citizen passport, travel to Mexico City, and then from Mexico City go to Europe, where they are possibly not allowing Americans. Is that, do you have any idea how this might translate? 
sure. So Mexico, uh, out of a lot of the countries in the world, has actually been a relatively uh, successful place for people to use their world passport. Once again, it's not always recognized. I don't want to give an impression that just because you have this. We, one of the things I you always hear me say on the phone every day, and I do my pretend phone here in my hand, um, <laughs> that uh, we never want anyone to have a false expectation that your rights will be respected uh, just by presenting a world passport, because we know people's rights are violated even you know everywhere in our backyard uh, every day uh, by government officials. So the important part is would be to get the visa from the Mexican consulate wherever you are, if you can, or even to get a visa from any country. Some countries in Latin America and the Caribbean, like Guatemala or Argentina or Panama or one of the small island countries like St. Lucia that have frequently recognized it, you might get that stamp first, not necessarily going there, but get their stamp from their consulate. Then you show that to the consulate of Mexico and then they'll see, oh, there's already another stamp, then they'll most likely, more likely stamp it. Getting that first stamp is the hardest. So getting to Mexico should be relatively uh, easy, although once again, I can't say that we'd be able to guarantee it, obviously. But getting to Europe, um, whether it were non-COVID time or, or during the pandemic, um, it's extremely hard to get to countries like France, Germany, England, Switzerland, Belgium, Netherlands, Spain. Those are the most restrictive countries. And they can even reject a, a U.S. passport if they want to. They don't have to recognize it. But certainly the world passport to get a visa from one of those places can be difficult. So I certainly say carry your national passport with you, either as a primary or as a backup, if you're going to do that and if the trip is important, because you could come across officials who are going to violate your rights. And that's why we have a legal department. Now, we're running out of time, but we do have one last question. And, and I can stay longer if you need. I can stay for another 10 or 15 minutes if people okay. want to. Melanie and I are going to leave. We'll let you stay on. But Nancy, you had a quick question. Uh, uh, go ahead if you're, uh, uh, and, and ask a question or comment. Nancy has a very playful, uh, up, upbeat spirit. Okay. This is the first time I realized that on the symbol with the man on the flag that he's hugging the flag, the, the globe. I never real, it always looks so weird to me. It, he didn't look like he was facing outward to me. And I, I just made that connection now that he's facing inward. So some way there needs to be some way of like the word hug on his chest or two people or three people. So it looks more like a hug. Right. Yeah. And then the man on the court law, he's got muscles in his, in his arms and that sure looks too masculine, too forceful, not friendly. Yeah. I, I would really recommend changing that icon. Well, no, I, I agree. We, we need a, if you, any of you know a graphic artist who can help us update our logos, I, by all means, we need to do so. Yeah, now we're going to have to uh, wrap up oh, the meeting now. Um, we're at the end of our time. Let me turn it back over to Melanie a bit. But thank you so much. I really appreciate that's a That's a cool concept about hugging the earth. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. No, yes. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Your wonderful questions. And David, oh my gosh. <laughs> so informative. If you didn't. Now you know, now you know, spread the word, David, you know, the whole organization, of course, as you saw, is incredible, uh, needs our support, please uh, go to his website, worldservice.org, you can actually email David at info at uh, worldservice.org as well. So please uh, do that, please get involved, there's so many different things you can do, you, it's amazing and it's such an important work so thank you again david you were incredible incredible hands up i just wanted to say well, thank you everybody um that we are hoping to have one of another one of these the world is my country club uh, uh meetings where bob flax the executive director of citizens for global solutions and i will appear to talk about youth engagement and i and i'm sorry I, I've only done this presentation really just a few times, uh, and I don't I never I never really know how long it will take and how many you know anecdotes from my almost 30 years at World Service Authority that I'll remember and start talking about. So I, I feel like I've sort of given short shrift to these uh, this most important component, which is really the question and answer uh, session. So I'd love to oh. see us do this another time, maybe yes. in July, if if everyone wants to make it back, we can ask more questions. Absolutely. I can tell you maybe some fun Gary stories, and and if Bob shows up too, we. Can can talk about you know the world citizen clubs and more youth engagement so absolutely you are welcome back and oh my god yes yes this that is that not finished a great idea
both Melanie and I have to run to other things. So I don't think we want to keep this going 15 minutes okay. now because nobody will be here <laughs> to run the meeting. So, no, we will have you back. We will have you we back. We have you back. Yes, definitely. Uh, if any of you aren't uh, members, please do go to, well, first of all, go to theworldservice.org and sign up for David. But secondly, uh, go to theworldismycountry.com slash club and sign up as a member, and then you'll get actual notices. It'll also be helping get our film out to the world. It's free for the first two months. And we also have an option for you to just, you know, watch sample meetings, but then to get regularly, be regularly a part of it, uh, please do join, come back. You'll get to enjoy David. I believe that next week, it's not yet confirmed, but we, uh, we probably have Hazel Henderson, who just does amazing work in the world, working on uh, both economic justice and working with Deepak Chopra and, uh, and, and Jane, Jane, Jane Houston and all kinds of other key people and just really is a light to the world. Uh, she's tentatively uh, considered for next week, but we will email you to confirm it. We'll email you if you're a member of the club, you'll get an email automatically. If not, you have to go back to the uh, website and look, but come back next, uh, everybody come back next Wednesday, same time, put it on your calendar. Uh, if you're a member, you'll get a notice. If you're not, you just have to remember to do it. And uh, we would uh, <laughs> I'll put it in your calendar. We would love to have you uh, all back next week. And let's keep building this. This is just the initial start of this club, uh, but we have a great vision for moving this on to something where we can really be interactively hearing great speakers and beginning to build what Gary talked about as the people-powered planet. So thank you to all of you. We love you all. Thank you so much. And here's uh, Yes, thank you. Thank you. And here's our closing song, Jacoustic uh, World Citizen. It's a great song. I'll let I'll just play that. It's beautiful. Oh, oh, oh. World Citizen. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, everybody.